It's Zo Time. Welcome to the Zo Time Show presented by HoopsandBrews.com. I'll be your host for the night, Daniel Belts. Go ahead and follow uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Zotime Podcast. That's where I just produce Lakers content daily with like um, tweets about who the Lakers have. Uh, pretty much been covering all the summer league games so far, given my opinion on many of the signings that we have, and also about what I can see the Lakers doing in the future with the obvious and potential Kawhi move that they might make, or I guess there's like a Damian Lillard rumor floating around, and yeah, just go ahead and follow that on Twitter, go ahead and follow Hoops and Brews on Twitter, go ahead and follow um, Hoops and Brews Sportsnet, there's just a, follow everything Hoops and Brews related, because we're just pushing out a lot of content these days, and it's just dope to see that the brand is growing, and it's happening at the perfect time especially now with LeBron James signing with the Lakers. Like, for our content that we produce, it's heavily focused on the Lakers, and then Hoops and Brews covers everything NBA, and Pavi covers everything LeBron-related with uh, TPJ for King Watch. So, I mean, it is a very exciting time for the entire brand to be just continuing the grind that we're on to try and just reach as many followers as we can with like our basketball takes and just engage with as many people about basketball because I mean as for this podcast and for just like following the Lakers throughout the year Drake said it best this is a rolly not a stopwatch this shit don't ever stop and that's basically the NBA season there is no time in the entire year where the NBA is boring you have the regular season playoffs, finals, the draft, summer league, and then maybe like a month off, and then it's the preseason. So like, realistically, the NBA season covers the entire year. And that is why, that's why in my opinion, the NBA is the best league in the entire world. Maybe outside of like, soccer, because soccer's dope. And go ahead and follow the Pints and Penalty Kicks podcast that I also produce as well. So, I mean... It's just a dope time to be a Laker fan because it happened. LeBron freaking James, the king, a.k.a. Pavi's favorite player, has come to the land where almost all of the all-time greats have played, like outside of Michael Jordan. Basically, everyone else in your top 10 has played for the Los Angeles Lakers, which is absolutely insane think about it that's Kobe that's Magic that's Kareem that's Wilt that's Shaq and now that's LeBron James even Carl Malone played for a season in LA like this is literally insane you can almost put a top 10 of just Laker players and that might be the top 10 greatest players of all time outside of Michael Jordan so it's just one of the all-time greats gets to come play for the one of the greatest franchises in all of sports and in my opinion the best franchise in the NBA, and maybe outside of the Yankees, the best franchise in sports. And LeBron, thank you, man. You put to bed a lot of the haters out there, like that were clowning the Lakers for striking out on Paul George. And to tell you the truth, this does not feel real. It still does not feel real that LeBron James is going to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. And... 
I've been following the NBA since the year 2000. I was eight years old when that happened, and I mean, instantly fell in love with the Lakers. For those wondering, yes, that's when the first year I became a Los Angeles Laker fan. I was eight at the time. It was the year of the uh, first year in the three-peat. And my mind is honestly hazy for all my younger years before that. And all I know is I didn't have a basketball team, and my uncle was a Laker fan. So I remember going to his house to watch the playoffs, and it was Game 7 during the uh, Lakers-Blazers series in the Western Conference Finals. And I just remember during that game, he was wearing a a Shaq jersey, and... He had gotten me a Kobe jersey, I believe, and when I saw that lob from Kobe to Shaq, at that moment, my NBA fandom went from 0 to 100, and ever since then, I've been a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, and I've never thought about switching, never thought about leaving the Lakers once Kobe retired. No, this is set in stone. This is what I love. The Lakers are and will always be my first love, and I mean... It's been a while. It's, what, 2000? So that's 18 years. And during the year 2000, we started to hear the name LeBron James. Uh, was this, what, I think it was like a sophomore or a freshman during the year 2000 at uh, St. Mary's, St. Vincent. I know they just won, like, a championship his sophomore year. So he was on the cover of, like, all these, like, magazines. And that's when he started to see the news cameras, like, roll up on him. And that's when he got the Hummer in high school. I think his senior year, his team went undefeated. And so, during my NBA fandom, all I ever thought the team that LeBron James would play for would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because, like, he was a kid from Akron, he wanted to stay home for his entire career, and we heard about how he's going to be the next Jordan, and how he was going to change the game, play for the Cavs, and then he actually got drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I never thought he was going to leave. I thought that was it. He got drafted by his hometown team. He's going to stay there for the rest of his life, and he will never leave. And, I mean, since then, we've seen how the story plays out. Uh, We saw the Cavs, who got gifted one of the greatest players of all time. Just completely fuck it up in the beginning. They gave him zero players to work with his first seven years in Cleveland, and... I mean, he got that 2006 team to the NBA Finals, and then, I mean, or was it? No, it was 2007. And after that, it was just like Eastern Conference Finals exits or semifinal or semi the second round exits. And I don't know how a NBA franchise gets gifted one of the greatest NBA players of all times because I I remember he should have gone to the Grizzlies or there was some weird thing where the Cavs jumped where LeBron should have been a member of some other team, but Cleveland got him, and I always wonder what his NBA career would have been like if he would have gotten drafted by a different team, because I think they would have given him more people to play with than what Dan Gilbert and the Cavs did, and Dan Gilbert has to go down as one of the worst owners of all time, and I'm perfectly fine with saying that. He he somehow lost LeBron James twice because he's a dickhead. I don't know how you lose the greatest player twice, or not the greatest player, but one of the greatest players of all time twice. And then when he lost to the freaking Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, Pat Riley came in and stole him. Slick Pat Riley, the Showtime Pat Riley, 
gave him Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, and then, boom, he got two rings in Miami. He went on that not one, not two, not three, not four um, decision, and, I mean, it seemed like he might not ever leave Miami because it seemed like they were going to just build this team around him and keep providing him with players that he wanted to play with and yada, 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 yada. But Dwayne Wade got older, and he promised the Cleveland Cavaliers when he was younger a championship, so he wanted to go home and fulfill his prophecy over there. And He went back to Cleveland. While he was gone, the NBA decided to rig every single lottery and give the Cavs all these assets. Uh, one of them turned out to be Kyrie. The other two turned out to be Anthony Bennett, the greatest bust of all time, or the biggest bust of all time, and also Andrew Wiggins. They flipped Bennett and Wiggins for Kevin Love. So when LeBron came back to Cleveland, he had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. And they turned, uh, I think they played three, three years together. They won one ring. They lost two. They had that 3-1 historic comeback uh, when they beat the 73-9 and Warriors. And I didn't think he would leave Cleveland after that. I was like, all right, he's going to finish his career in Cleveland. His kids are going to go to a Cleveland high school, probably the one he went to. Yada, 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 yada. That'll be the end of this dream the Lakers have of getting him to L.A. And all of a sudden, last summer, Kyrie wanted out, leaving a possible exit for LeBron in the future because Kyrie and Love were unaware of what LeBron wanted to do with his future. And some say Kyrie left because he knew LeBron was going to leave. That might be true now because LeBron did leave. And you heard last year, this might be LeBron's last season in Cleveland. And then you heard the rumblings of the Lakers having cap space. But you had all these NBA media and beat writers and anyone who had a microphone say, there's no way in hell LeBron's going to go to LA. He'll go to... Houston to go join Chris Paul and James Harden or her go to Philly to play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because there's no way he'd go play for the Lakers because of the young core. There's no way he'd go play in L.A. because of Lonzo. There's no way he'd go play in L.A. because of LeVar. There's no way he'd go play for the Lakers because there are no position to win right now. The young core sucks. Yada, 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 yada. And, well, what day was it? Was that July 2nd? Or was that July 1st? Or... Oh yeah, July 1st. Out of nowhere, when it had just been kind of like silent on the LeBron front, he leaves. And it says he's getting like a four-year, 157 deal to come to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I mean, when I got the notification on my phone, it was almost like time froze. Like I... Did not realize what I was reading until after I read uh, after I read it. I had went camping the day before, had no cell service, came back, got cell service, and I mean LeBron announces and like I think everyone in the entire at least Laker fans and probably Cav fans will remember the day LeBron left again, and Laker fans will view it as one of the days where one of the other top 10 players of all time decided to come over and play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And like I said, we've had 
Kobe, Kareem, Magic, Shaq, and Wilt. You also throw Carl Malone in there for that season. You also have George Mikan. You have Elgin Baylor, James Worthy, Jerry West. I don't know how I forgot Jerry West. My bad. It's probably because you're running the Clippers and I just forgot about you, but also Jerry West. So to all you small ballers out there, the losers that said the Lakers would strike out on in free agency, and like this year would be like the last couple years when we had the LaMarcus Aldridge blunder, Dwight didn't stay, we got no one last year, the Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng signings. Like I hope you guys are laughing at how dumb you are, because we are. And there were many people in Lakers Twitter that decided to bring out all these old tweets from everyone saying LeBron won't go here, LeBron won't go there, and... It's just been a field day for Laker fans for like the past couple days because we realize the rebuild is over. The five-year disaster stretch is over. We are making the playoffs. And shout out to all you dumb idiots that say the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs next season when all you guys have ever done for LeBron James' entire career is say you put LeBron on any team, he's making the playoffs. But now for whatever reason... LeBron joins the Lakers, a team everyone seems to hate. Once he comes to L.A., you guys say, oh, that team's not making the playoffs. You guys are freaking idiots. Like, it's just hilarious because you guys don't like Lonzo LeVar. Like, it's funny. And you guys also don't like how Magic and Plinka carry themselves, the Lakers exceptionalism, as you guys like to call it. It's just hilarious. All we heard last year is, LeBron played with a bunch of nobodies and took him to the freaking NBA Finals. You don't think the Lakers' supporting cast is better than the Cleveland supporting cast right now? Outside of Kevin Love, I would take every single every single Laker player on our roster over that Cavs team. And that's not even that far-fetched to say. LeBron lost a couple games in the NBA Finals because George Hill couldn't hit a free throw and J.R. Smith is a dumbass. Now he's playing with high IQ players like Lonzo like Brandon Ingram, with a shooter like Kuzma, with a shooter like Hart. And for whatever reason, you guys don't think LeBron is going to help us make the playoffs? We won 35 games without him. You guys don't think LeBron adds 10 to 15 wins? That puts us at 45 to 50 already. You guys not realize Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram missed 30 games last season? Each? Like, I just don't get you guys, and I don't think I will ever get you guys, and I don't care about being friends or buddy buddies with... All of you idiots out there that, for whatever reason, once a player turns on or puts on a purple and gold jersey, oh, that person can't get it done. This person can't do that. But if he goes to a different team, oh, I like that person. We saw it happen with the Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance freaking trade. You guys thought Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance were going to become these... You actually said after like a week watching them, the Lakers gave up two really good pieces to help LeBron make the finals and help LeBron make his decision to stay in Cleveland instead of go back to LA. Like, we see what you do. You guys happen to be wrong more often than you are right. And we just laugh at all of it. And there are some good people out there that make these predictions and stick with it and have a good joke about it and don't get all pretentious and block you and be dicks about it. Like Justin, Roa, or Justin Rowan of Cavs Anada. Very funny dude, gives a lot of takes, a lot of them happen to be wrong, but he's alright with being wrong. That's why I like interacting with him, and he doesn't come off as a dick. Because when you bring up these old 
takes from other or other uh, beat writers, they might either get really angry at you, or they'll block you. And then they'll end up deleting that tweet. I like people that don't delete tweets because, hey, each fan base says wild shit. We have wild takes. I stand by with everything that I've said about the current young players. I even thought Jordan Clarkson was going to be a potential sixth man of the year award winner on the Lakers team. After watching him play in the NBA Finals, I look very foolish after saying that. I don't care. I believed what I believed at that moment, and I'll stick with it. To put Jordan Clarkson on the right team, he can win the sixth man of the year. But we will get to more of the LeBron James signing and the impact that it has on the Lakers right now and in the future. But first, I just want to like pour out a beer from my man Julius. Like, Julius Randle, I hate that it had to be you, man. Like, I legit wanted to see you stay with the Los Angeles Lakers for the rest of your career. You have grown so much as a person, as a player within the Los Angeles Lakers organization. And the curious case of Julius Randle's segment that had been featured on this podcast for many, many times, it will now be retired. I might bring it back, just like, maybe monthly check-ins on how Julius Randle is doing elsewhere because unlike Clarkson, unlike D'Angelo, it really seems like Julius Randle was on the correct track to becoming an all-star. Like, he improved drastically this season. He led us to a lot of wins, and he was the best player on our team last year. And now we let him go because you probably can't play Julius Randle next to LeBron like, I understand that. A lot of Laker fans get that. That's why we aren't too upset with Julius Randle go or leaving, but, like, it hurts. This is the last guy that played with Kobe. This is basically the last... He was our beginning rebuild piece, basically, and now he's gone. And now you're going to be in New Orleans uh, with Anthony Davis. You're going to make the playoffs next season. You're going to have a fantastic season. But... We could have signed him for that cheap-ass contract as well. But he knows his role would have been less here. So he wouldn't have gotten that next payday that he wanted. So he probably looked for a bigger role in New Orleans, and that's why he'd rather sign with them. With them. But Julius, if you ever hear this, fire the agent you have. I believe his last name is Mintz. I don't know his first name. I just know that he shares the same agent with Paul George and D'Angelo and... Shocking, none of those guys are on the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's not that it's just because none of them are on the Lakers. It's just, you deserve way more than that, Julius. You saw what Aaron Gordon got. You hear what Zach Levine is going to get. And you are worth more than both of those guys. And you saw that agent care more about PG-13 percent's contract than yours, and it showed it showed that all he cared about was hanging out with PG, filming a stupid-ass documentary about where Paul George is going to sign, and that's all he thought about this summer. He got to you basically after Paul George signed, instead of you being his most important client, which you should be some agent's most important client because you're a hell of a player. So just fire that dude, get away from his representation, because you deserve a lot better than that. Best of luck to you in the future. Wish you would have stayed in the number 30 in the purple and gold for a long time. I hope you go on to having a 
hell of an NBA career, but every time he beats you, I want Kuzma, LeBron, Ingram, Lonzo, all of the young kids to just kick your ass. But no hard feelings. Keep doing what you do. And who knows, maybe you'll one day come back to the Los Angeles Lakers, although I highly doubt that after probably some of the shit you went through and it's not surprising that you wouldn't want to come back though. Now, let us get into actually what has actually happened for the Los Angeles Lakers in free agency. And to be honest, it was a lot more than I expected. I did not think we were going to get LeBron James only because you heard the rumors about Paul George not coming here. And once I saw Paul George not coming here, I'm like, is LeBron really going to do this? I know his son wants to play in L.A. I know LeBron had been a fan of a lot of our young players. It's just, it surprised me. It surprised me that we got the king to say yes to the Lakers. And it just goes to show you how well Magic and Plinka do with their jobs. It shows how well they that LeBron values our young pieces and what we have. And he also has a trust in the Lakers front office to go ahead and get players that he wants to play with for the future. And just build this Lakers team into title contention very, very, very soon. So, we already covered... Julius Randle signing elsewhere. Um, we also let go of Tyler Ennis, which obviously Laker fans should be happy of. Tyler Ennis was not the answer at the backup point guard position, and I'm just I'm glad he's off the team. He signifies the era of bad basketball being gone. It was shocking that we didn't bring Thomas Bryant back, but that makes sense when we drafted uh, Mo Wagner and we kept. Uh, we kept Zubak. We brought him back. We also re-signed the other Clutch Sport uh, client, which is Contavious Caldwell-Pope, for $12 million on another one-year deal. I like it. I think uh, I think Contavious Caldwell-Pope is going to be a great answer at the starting two spot. He, I just really like the signing. Post-jail sentence, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a really good NBA player. He, I believe he shot like over 40% after the jail sentence. And I even think he shot well before that. It's just that month of December when he was in and out of the lineup. He had so much on his mind. He just played awful that entire stretch. And like it's no coincidence that the Lakers struggled mightily in December. And that was one of the reasons. Contavious Caldwell Pope wasn't himself. He was dealing with a lot of things that he had to deal with personally. And it showed in his NBA game. But after that, KCP fit into his role. He's a really good 3 and D player, and he's going to fit really well with LeBron. Like, LeBron likes shooters next to him. LeBron likes people that can guard on their perimeter so LeBron can take some time off on the defensive side. So I just, I really like that pairing together. And we've all heard the possibility of LeBron changing his play style into playing more in the post and, like, kind of deferring the ball to other people. And, I don't know, maybe... Contavious Caldwell-Pope gets more plays, ran from around the three-point line and coming off screens in the mid-range game. So, I mean, I just really like Contavious Caldwell-Pope's ability to shoot next to a LeBron-type player. Because even, say we make the playoffs, which we are going to, when LeBron goes into playing LeBron ball, 
instead of LeBron passing it to J.R. Smith, it's going to be KCP. And KCP showed last season he can shoot and shoot pretty well. So I like it. I just... And also, Contavious Caldwell Pope, besides LeBron, is one of the other only players that had a previous playoff experience that are on the Lakers team right now. He had it with the Detroit Pistons, but we also signed more players with playoff experience. We signed uh, playoff Rajon Rondo to a one-year deal for $9 million. We basically gave him the deal that the Pelicans gave to Julius Randle, so just kind of weird how that worked out because they just basically flip-flopped teams. This kind of happened with uh, Trevor Reza and Ron Artest. Even though they're different positions, Rondo's not a power forward, Randle's not a point guard. It's just kind of the same... Uh, Kind of the same thing. Now, I don't know what Rondo's going to do. Like, rotational-wise, I think he's going to be the backup point guard, but they haven't ruled out him being the starter. I think that's kind of like a... more of a motivational type thing for Lonzo to get him to just take working out over the summer more seriously, trying to improve his game as quick as he can to just help lead with LeBron. And... I honestly think Lonzo will be the starting point guard and playoff Rondo will be the backup point guard. Um, come playoff time, though, I don't know. I don't know if LeBron would feel more comfortable with uh, Rondo out there instead of Lonzo, but we'll see. There's a lot of a lot of variables out there. And I also like what Rondo can teach Lonzo because, I mean, the shtick on Rondo for the longest time was... He can do everything well, but he can't shoot. He turned that into many all-star appearances, a ring, um, and a pretty good NBA career. He's led the league in assists a couple times. I think he's even been in the top five for like steals as well. So, I mean, at the very least, Rondo is going to be a very good mentor to Lonzo. And I'm going to get those names mixed up the entire time because they're just like... So short, two O's, Lonzo, Rondo. So it's just going to be, it's going to be a pretty fun point guard rotation. We finally don't have to worry about Tyler Ennis, Marcelo Huertas, or Marcelo Huertas, Jose Calderon, Jordan Clarkson. Like we've had a bunch of iffy backup point guards for a while, and we finally got Rondo. I was against signing Rondo last season, and it's just because he's a Celtic. Like, that's what it really falls down to, is he is one of the members of that big three, I should call it the big four Celtic team that did beat the Lakers in 2008, and I just, it was a hate that I couldn't let go, and I don't know if I'll ever let that hate go towards Rondo, but I'm actually glad he's on this team, and for those that saying he couldn't shoot, I believe he shot 37% from three last season, or somewhere around that, so, I mean, it's not the best, but it's not bad, and I just believe... He can take Lonzo under his wing. Um, Rondo seems to have very thick skin, and like nothing seems to bother him. So hopefully, we've already seen that from Lonzo. But it just there are so many things Rondo can help with Lonzo's game going towards the future. So like I like it, as long as Rondo doesn't take the starting point guard spot from Rondo, or Rondo doesn't take it from Lonzo. If that happens, I'll be very eh about the signing. Also, we signed Javale McGee. And I think we signed him because LeBron, Lonzo Ingram can use a uh, lob finisher around the rim. 
I also think we also got him for a little bit of rim protection. But I do think we re-signed Brooke Lopez. So I don't think JaVale McGee will be our starting center. But there will be times where JaVale is in the game and he will be asked to play extended minutes. And I mean, if you watched the playoffs last season, JaVale McGee did not play bad. He had that one horrible missed dunk. But besides that, he played his role. He got rebounds, blocked shots, played good defense, and finished around the rim. And that's basically what we're going to need, all we're going to need from him next season. Because we already have playmakers, we already have people that can score, we just need someone that does everything else at the big guy position, because, I mean, Brooke didn't really do that, Julius Randle played really well, uh, defense on the perimeter, and tried like hell to bang with the big boys down low on defense, but JaVale gives us that option to go big at center, at times, to... You can't really stop a great center, but you can make it tougher for him, and I think JaVale can make it a little bit tougher, but I mean, I guess we'll see as that goes on, and I don't know, it just seems like we got a lot of signings with just players that have playoff experience, and then that brings us to our next uh, free agent signing, which is Lance Stevenson, and to be honest, I'm not a fan of this signing. I think we could have gotten more at that position like maybe Tyreek Evans or just some other player besides Lance Stevenson he's very inconsistent off the bench in Indianapolis but there are times where he can create for himself and it's not sloppy and he can also create for others his defense isn't that well although he has for whatever reason a really good um uh he has a really good what's the word I'm looking for people think he's a really good defender and, I mean, if you watch the tape, look at some of the stats, it'll tell you otherwise. But he's never shy of the moment. He doesn't mind going at the best player or trying to guard the best player. So, I mean, I guess for, like, playoff purposes, he's not a bad person to have on your team. He's down to... He's not going to back down from a competition. And I think that's what LeBron James wants with his teammates around him because... Obviously, we're not going to beat the Warriors with shooting. Maybe we just need some dogs and some competitors, and that's probably what Stevenson brings to the table. And I'll say it right now, we are not beating the Warriors this year, even if we trade for Kawhi. And I want to speculate on the Kawhi front. I don't know what the hell is going on with Kawhi. Because now there are the rumors that Kawhi played hide-and-seek from the San Antonio Spurs and their doctors last season. Um, we don't even know if Kawhi is healthy. We don't even know if he wants to come here or go to the Clippers. There are just a lot of what-ifs with Kawhi. And, I mean, when healthy, Kawhi is a top-five player in the NBA. But right now, there are a lot of red flags and question marks about trading for him now. So even if we got Kawhi, we're not beating the Warriors. But, yeah... So then, after we got Stevenson, we just kept the rest of the young core. We kept Josh Hart, Alonzo uh, Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and Zubak. Uh, Zubak's been lighting it up for Croatia and his national team. I think he had like a 33-15 and 15 game. And the strangest thing about uh, Zubak is when he goes back home and plays for Croatia, he plays really, really, really well. 
I compare him to uh, Meme Ochoa for uh, the goalie for Mexico because Ochoa plays really, really well for the Mexican national team and then kind of iffy for his club team. And it seems Zubak does the same. He's very inconsistent with the Los Angeles Lakers. But when he goes back to Croatia to play, it's like this different side of him comes out and he's this animal. He's this guy who finishes and shoots well. So I just want I want that intensity from Zubak to come to the Lakers and just play like that. Maybe it's the scenery around home that just makes him excited or just being overseas or just I don't know, maybe he's not comfortable in LA, but I would just love to see that dog and Zubak to come out. And then So we kept the young guys, and then we also had a really good draft, especially after what I saw from Summer League. Uh we got Mo Wagner, Svi, and Bong uh Bonga. Bonga, I'm not technically sure on the pronunciation of that yet because he has yet to play a NBA Summer League game, but I will have that correct and down the next time on this podcast. And I had the, um, I had the, f- man, I had the pleasure of being able to go to the first two games in the California Classic for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and it was a blast watching Summer League games. Um, although, we didn't win any of those games. And I haven't gone to a game that the Lakers have won since 2004. I think I'm like 0-11 now in the last 11 games that I went to go watch for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I might be the curse that the Lakers have. So if there's ever a really, really big game the Lakers are in, I promise I will not go to it because we will probably lose that game. But... I mean, I just want to talk about the how Sacramento put on the California Classic before I actually talk about like the games with uh, Wagner, Svi, and Hart. Because Josh Hart did play in the first game and half of the second game, but the California Classic was really like, really well done. There was a little John concert after day two. Uh, when the Warriors and the Heat played in the first game on day one, it was like half empty. But once the Lakers played the Kings... On that night, it was packed. Like It seemed like an actual NBA game. And credit to the Sacramento King fans for like caring as much as Laker fans do for Summer League games. Although it was hilarious when the Kings fans started the Beat LA chant. Because it is a Summer League game. But the actual King Summer League team looks like it's going to be... At least three players in the Kings Summer League team will be starting for the Sacramento Kings once the NBA season starts. So the Kings fans actually got to watch starting NBA players play in Summer League. So that was probably really cool for them. And that's probably as good as it gets for King fans regarding like success in NBA games. Because since 1951, they haven't won a championship. They also have the longest active NBA drought for playoffs. So, I mean, winning a game in Summer League as probably as good as it gets for king fans so congrats on that also just going to do some quick notes on how these players played josh hart played really well in game one he was uh i believe our leading scorer knocked down a lot of nice shots played really good defense hustled well and you just saw on the court he was a lakers best player and he doesn't really need to play summer league this season because He's obviously an NBA talent, but it's just nice to see that he competes as hard as he does for the Lakers regular season team as he does for the Lakers summer league team. Which brings me to 
my next player with Mo Wagner, who is going to be a fan favorite from now until he either leaves or stays his entire career. Mo is a hustler. He has heart. He has fight. He is crazy. He's diving on the floor for loose balls in summer league. He's he almost fought someone from the Kings as well. Like he just brings intensity, passion, and he just cares about playing for the team he cares for. And it's just really freaking cool to see that. He also has talent. He can shoot the three. He can rebound. He does need to get stronger. He has a nice little post game, but he's going to need to get stronger to do that against actual NBA centers. Um, he also hits free throws. I think he went 10 for 10 or 9 for 10 in his first game as a Los Angeles Laker at the free throw line, which we struggled at heavily. And like I said, he could shoot the three. He brings passion. He hustle. He's a lot faster than I expected. I did not think he could move that quick at Michigan because I watch a lot of him at Michigan. I told people not last season, but the year before that, that he was going to be a first-round pick. And, hey, it happened. I speak things into existence. And then we're going to talk about Svi, who surprised me a lot. Obviously, we all knew that, or we all know that he could shoot because he did that at Kansas. But he finishes around the rim a lot better than I thought he would be able to. He has more athleticism than I thought he had. And he's also quicker than I thought he had, thought he was. So it just it's cool to see the Lakers continuing their recent success of finding NBA talent with their picks. And I mean, it's just really cool to see our front office and our scouting department just continue to hit on all these picks. Um, let's see. Outside of those three players. The entire rest of the team looked clueless. And even Alex Caruso, who struggled heavily the two games he played. But, I mean, for those that follow the Lakers daily like most of us do, it's probably because Alex Caruso was playing for Team USA and I believe Puerto Rico. And, I mean, he played the same day his plane flew in. He's probably been exhausted, overworked, and that probably showed. So I don't think the that his summer league um, production is going to be what happens in the regular season. I think he's a good third-string point guard on this team. But he did look bad in summer league. So, And the rest, I don't even want to talk about the rest. Like, it was just bad. Like, it was really, really, really bad. We went 0-3. We did not win a single game at that summer league classic, the California classic. But, yeah, like... I love what I see from Wagner. He actually blocks shots as well. He's not clueless on defense, which is nice to see. He actually can get up there. He's not afraid to get dunked on. Like we saw that the first game where he got dunked on by Bagley. And uh, Wagner does need to get stronger, like I mentioned earlier. Especially when he's boxing out on free throws. I saw him get thrown around at least three times the first game against the Kings at the free throw line, like when the opposing team shooting free throws that resulted in the Kings getting an offensive rebound after they missed. So he definitely needs to clean that up um, and just get stronger to bang with the big guys down low. Sfi is more than just a shooter, slasher, finisher. He definitely does need to work on his ball handling a lot and probably like finishing uh, 
like in pull-ups and uh, shots off the dribble. And I think both Wagner and Svi will need G League time this season. I don't think they will be asked to do a lot for the actual Los Angeles Lakers team. They'll be playing for the South Bay Lakers probably. Unless we don't sign Brook and Wagner's our backup center, which I think they'd actually have Zubak over Wagner at this moment. But it would be nice to see Svi and Wagner get called up uh, multiple times throughout the NBA season to get actual NBA experience because I do think they're going to be at least getting 5 to 10 minutes by the end of this season. And then they'll probably fall out of the rotation during the playoffs. And then they'll actually get more minutes next season because since... Wagner's on a cheap contract, Svi's on an even cheaper contract. I think both of these players will be around next season when we try to get more max free agents, so they'll be more useful on this team because we can't really afford anyone else. So we'd just be able to bring them back for cheaper, and I think their roles would expand next season. And I just... They both fit today's NBA. They both can shoot lights out. So it's just cool to see that the Lakers addressed our lack of shooting needs with two really nice, solid draft picks. And just another thing, Wagner is a perfect, perfect, perfect stretch five for today's NBA. I'm not sure he can play the four because he's not the greatest wing defender. And with uh, people and teams going small, he can't really guard the three, four position. But he does play with some nastiness. Like I said, he wanted to fight someone and he plays every single play at 100 miles an hour. And it's just... God, I'm a, I'm a big Wagner fan, and I hope one day he is a starting center for the Los Angeles Lakers because he's really dope, and just I can't say enough about how well he can actually like play the game of basketball. Now, this is the next segment that's going to be in the uh, Zo Time show, and I'm probably going to keep this segment up for like probably the remainder of this podcast, and it's going to be at least... Uh, Featured twice a month once the NBA season starts and if these players are still here weekly. Uh, this next segment is going to be called uh, The King and the Four Princes because, I mean, if you can already tell, the King is LeBron and the Four Princes are Hart, Lonzo, Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, princes meaning one of the princes will take the throne from LeBron when he leaves and be the ruler of the Los Angeles Lakers franchises for years to come. The person that kind of hands off the torch, like Kobe was trying to pass off to someone and now all those players are gone because they just couldn't take it. Although I think Randall could have, but I'm not paid to make these basketball decisions and maybe the Lakers front office knows things that I do not. So, the king and the four princes... LeBron, Hart, Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma. Each of these four princes has a chance to learn a lot about the game of basketball from the king. Like, there is so much knowledge. There's so much that LeBron does very, very, very well that he can pass down to each and one of these players. And I think it's going to accelerate our process of seeing whether these princes are an actual prince or a frog. And, I mean, I'm not trying to be Disney and corny, but we're going to see whether these players are actually as good as our fan base likes to say, or if they're just horrible and don't deserve 
to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Like they're gonna sink or swim here with LeBron. The pressure is coming. Playoff appearances are coming. These players need to accelerate their development, and I think LeBron's going to do that. Also, I don't think this is a reason why LeBron came here, but he might have heard some of the rumors that LeBron can only succeed with role players because not I wouldn't say role players, but players that only do a certain thing because if you look at the Cavs uh, outside of Kevin Love and Kyrie when he was there it was just a bunch of vet shooters for minimum contracts in Miami it was Wade and Bosch but outside of that it was a bunch of dudes vet shooters like I think LeBron is taking on the challenge of helping these young kids figure it out because Lonzo at the moment can't shoot great Brandon Ingram although he shot a 39% clip and I I like that but he's not he doesn't shoot more than two threes a game I don't even think he made a three per game last season so it's not like Lonzo and Ingram right now are the biggest sport uh floor spacers uh Josh Hart is Kyle Kuzma is but it's not like the the last six, seven, eight years have had a consistent theme with LeBron. Get him one or two really good players and surround him with shooters. Now he's coming into a team with the four princes. Hart, 3 and D, Lonzo Playmaker, Brandon Ingram can create for himself and play defense and shoot the mid-range, and Kyle Kuzma, the three-point dropping, skyhook finishing power forward. So he has a chance to just help enhance the skills of each and every single one of these players. So the thing LeBron can help Lonzo out the most with is, besides giving Lonzo a lot of easy looks from three, since the defense will probably collapse on LeBron, I think it's actually playmaking in the half court. Lonzo can learn so much from LeBron. Because, I mean, LeBron is one of the greatest passers the NBA has ever seen and he's also really good at setting up plays running offenses when it's actually called and it would just be very cool to see LeBron pass that on Alonzo and just Alonzo take over take the reins after that become never be he'll never become a player like LeBron but I mean just even be 33% of what LeBron is would make Lonzo Ball a really good NBA player for the future. What I think LeBron can have uh, effect on Josh Hart would be basically kind of getting him to be more of a... I think LeBron can help Josh Hart in the post because Josh Hart doesn't really have that yet, but he has the body for it. And obviously LeBron can play in the post now and he has the body for it. So I think he can just kind of take... Josh Hart and mentor him under his wing. Also, LeBron can help Lonzo out with ball handling. That's probably something as well. He could probably uh, help Josh Hart in the way that um, maybe his younger LeBron could play really well on the defensive side, and maybe LeBron can help Josh Hart enhance his 3 and D um, persona. Uh, with how he can help Brandon Ingram is just basically... Teach him how to be a great small forward in today's NBA. Uh, I don't know what report was it that came out, but it said that 
LeBron James thinks Brandon Ingram is probably our best prospect and probably the guy most likely to make all-star appearances. So that's obviously great to hear that LeBron thinks this highly of Brandon Ingram, and I just think LeBron can in just mentor Brandon, saying, hey, this is what I did, this is what I went through, this is what Kevin Durant went through, this is just what happens in today's NBA with a wing player as talented as yourself. Probably worked on the uh, weight room regimen with Brandon Ingram, since Brandon Ingram definitely needs to get a more of an NBA body, and who better to learn from than Iron Man himself, LeBron James. So it's just, there's so many things that, like, this king can teach our princes. Not princesses, like a lot of you idiots are going to hear and make fun of, but it's princes. And then, last but not least, Kyle Kuzma. What LeBron can do for Kyle Kuzma is give him easier looks from three, because, like I said, the defense is going to try and double LeBron since they don't trust our young core for whatever reason even though we won 35 games with them and Kuzma just gonna get all those open looks that a lot of the shooters got in Cleveland for three like LeBron got so many open looks for Kuzma and I just think Kuzma's efficiency playing with LeBron is gonna skyrocket I also think Kuzma's gonna kind of be like he's gonna learn how to play more in control with LeBron and I also think he can learn some things defensively from LeBron because I don't think Kuzma will ever be that great on defense, but I think LeBron can kind of teach him how to guard the, the power forward positions, and sometimes LeBron has to guard that as well. And so he can just teach Kuzma some tips, some tricks, and just, yeah, like it's really exciting to kind of see LeBron take this I'm not going to call him a player coach, but he's definitely going to have a huge involvement with how these players uh, train and how well they become, and it's going to be very cool to see. These players are either going to pass the test and they're going to help LeBron, or they're going to fold, and I assume the Lakers would trade that player to bring in one that's not going to fold and bring in a vet type player or maybe try to go after a big fish like a Kawhi like a Jimmy Butler or Clay Thompson because I think the Lakers have a ticking talk and I mean Magic and Palinka seem to know what they're doing and I just think the minute they see that a player is not going to work out with LeBron and he's not as good as we once thought I think they will move on from that player very quickly and because LeBron is realistically only going to be here for three to four years. I don't think he's going to be here longer than that unless the Lakers sign Bronny Jr. But I want to like kind of talk about now what these four princes did this past season to deserve the name of Prince because I think highly of each and every single one of these four pieces that we have. And I theoretically think all of these players can become a king. The only player that I don't think can would be Josh Hart, but I don't think that's that uh, harsh to say, although I think he will be a really good, solid pro for many years to come. I think LeBron can teach him how to become a Bruce Bowen, uh, Tony Allen-type pro for the remainder of their career to where they're always needed in today's NBA. So we'll just we'll go ahead and start with Josh Hart. Now these are players 
there are only 13 players in NBA history that averaged more than four rebounds, one three, that shot over 39% from three, and 46% from the field. And these are the only 13 players to ever do it before the age of 23. So if you were 22 or younger, you were on this list. The list is Chris Webber, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Richard Lewis, Kevin Durant, Carl Anthony Towns, Kevin Love, Harrison Barnes, Jokic, Josh Hart, Jalen Brown, Landry Fields, James Harden. So again, this is not a this is a amazing list for Josh Hart to be on. Yes, I get that it's a kind of a bit of a stretch to make this list and to come up with the criteria, but Josh Hart can hit the three. He can crash the boards. He's efficient. Playing with LeBron is only going to up that. Next player is, let's see. Next player is going to be Kyle Kuzma. This stat is funny because it only features two players in NBA history to ever do it, and it's the idiot that just declined to come to the Lakers this season. For the entire NBA history, and this goes for players 22 years of age or younger, there are only two players in the entire NBA history that did this at the age of 22 or younger, which is average 16 points, six rebounds per game, made two threes a game, and shot over 36% from three per game. What that shows you is they can hit the three, they hit multiple per game, they score over 15, 16 points, and can get boards as well. Those two players are Kyle Kuzma and Paul George. Paul George did it in Indiana in 2013. So it's funny. like You see the Lakers kind of molded this team around players that can do multiple things or hit the efficient shot which is a new trend in NBA which is to hit the three and hit it a lot so that covers two of the four right now we'll go to the next which is one a lot of people are going to make fun of because they like to call this kid a bust for their own insecurities in their own life and yada 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 but these are the only players in NBA history at the age of 20 or younger to average more than 10 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, and 1 steal per game. Those three players are LeBron James, Lonzo Ball, and Magic Johnson. That is probably the most impressive list for Lonzo to find himself on. And the wildest thing is all three of these players will have played for the Los Angeles Lakers before they retire. Side note, the year LeBron did this, he dropped 27-7-7, which is insane. And he did that as a 20-year-old. That is, I did not realize he was that impressive because I really didn't follow the Cavs when he was 20 years old. I was too busy watching the, uh, that was the year Shaq left, so I was watching Kobe by himself. Um, Magic Don Johnson did it in 1979-1980. He averaged 18-7-7-2. Although he did shoot 22.6% from three, and yikes. Lonzo this season averaged 10 points, 6.9 rebounds, 7.2 assists, and 1.7 steal. And he shot 30.5% from three. And a lot of these people that just want to discredit Lonzo came in saying, hey, Lonzo didn't play 58 games, he doesn't qualify. 
so I did a little bit of research into um, the other rookies that played. Um, almost all the other rookies, I guess, played in 58 or more games. And, I mean, there was a lot of them. It's like, what, 60? But Lonzo finished 12th in minutes. So it's just weird how a lot of the people that finished under Lonzo for minutes qualified because they played more games. I mean, I think people should be intelligent enough to kind of look at more than one qualification and be like, hey, why didn't Lonzo make it if he played this more minutes than this person? Shouldn't we add Lonzo into this list since he did play as much or more minutes than this guy? I just think we have to be better than that as people. Because I've seen a lot of writers leave off Lonzo because he didn't qualify for stats off their like uh, impressive rookie campaigns, and it's just hilarious. And if you don't think he's an impressive rookie or had an impressive rookie campaign, you're insane. Because he did finish on the all-rookie second team, and... The people, people, the person people like to say is better than him is Fox, and he didn't make one of those teams, so that's hilarious. And we'll go to our last prince. We'll go to the person I am probably highest on, which is Brandon Ingram. Now, this stat, there's only been seven players in NBA history to ever do this at the age of 20 or younger, and that is average more than 16 points, five rebounds per game, three assists per game while shooting 46, 45% or higher from the field. These players are LeBron James, Tyreek Evans, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Chris Webber, and also, lastly but not least, Brandon Ingram. Side note, Brandon Ingram shot the best from three that season with 39% over the rest of the players. So again, like Lonzo's list, this is a very impressive list for Brandon Ingram to find himself on. And I've already gotten responses from people on Twitter saying, well, yeah, but Tyreek Evans is on there. Tyreek Evans has had a very impressive NBA career. Just because he's not considered a great player doesn't mean that it's bad. If you're telling me the floor for Brandon Ingram is Tyreek Evans, give me that. I've also seen people say all Brandon Ingram was ever going to be was a Travis Outlaw type player, but yet he's already surpassed that heavily. So as these kids, as these four princes, this young core has done, they've done things not a lot of people in NBA history have done. So now they get the one of the greatest players of all time to come help and teach them things. Get them to play in playoff appearances at the ages of 20, 21, 22, 23. This is going to help their maturity, them showing up in big games down the future, and it's going to show us whether they're a diamond or not. So again, I love this signing of LeBron because it's going to accelerate the process of Laker fans finding out whether we have diamonds or poop. And I hope all four of them turn into diamonds because I want to keep them here for a very long time. Now I'm going to do a little bit of prediction time for next season. I think we win 50-plus games. I don't think that's a stretch of saying that, although I've seen people, like I said earlier, keep us off the playoffs. Um, please give me the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round. I want to beat them badly. I want LeBron to make Paul George, a.k.a. PG, 13% regret not coming. I want to make LeBron 
make Paul George weep. Um, we're not going to the finals. Depends on who we got matched up in on the second round. If we get matched up against the Rockets in the second round, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But we're not getting past the Warriors in the Western Conference, so that ends that debate for next season. And, all right, we'll talk about Paul George 13% for a second. You're an idiot. You're a little bleh. I don't want to say it. Trying to keep the vulgar of these rants to a minimum. You're just an idiot. I respect you because you went to Fresno State, my hometown team. Um, I respect Indiana, Paul George. I respect Team USA, Paul George. What you did in Indiana, helping lead them to the Eastern Conference Finals, needs to be applauded. But you're a little brr for staying in OKC. Like, why go back to Russ, Mello, and Adams? I don't get it. You're not going to go anywhere with them. Mr. Five-Point Elimination Game Man will regret his decision. Like, you are going to regret not coming over with LeBron and playing with this young core. But that's your fault. Deal with that shit. Have fun getting bounced in first rounds by rookies and Ricky Rubio. Um, let's talk about another prediction. I don't think we trade for Kawhi this season. I think we use our money to go after free agents next summer. And you know what? Could have been UPG 13%, but I think we'll find a better player next summer than you. Just like for all you Thunder fans that laughed at their, uh, oh, Magic couldn't get a meeting with Paul George. Haha, <laughs> fuck you. We got LeBron James in there the very next day. So you had those jokes for about... 10 hours circling on the internet, then we get the ultimate prize while you got stuck with the consolation prize. So, joke's on you. Man, this has been probably my favorite episode I've done, so let me know what you guys think about it on the uh, Twitter page. This has been Daniel Belts. Make sure you check out the uh, Hoops and Brews YouTube channel. Also, make, a, make sure you follow uh, them on Twitter. Check out the new King Watch episodes, the new Hoop, the Hoops and Brews episodes, Basket Sprawl, um, my Pints and Penalty Kicks following the World Cup, and hopefully by the next time we speak, the Lakers have actually won a Summer League game, because right now we're 0-3, although if Josh Hart doesn't play another game, I don't think we have a chance to win anything, because like this team isn't last season. Last season, our best players were playing in Summer League, now they're not. And that shows we're 0-3. Anyways, follow along during the week at Zotime Podcast. And until the next time we speak, keep an eye out on all the Kawhi, Damian Lillard rumors to LA because they are flying around like pancakes on the timeline. And as the man LeVar Ball once said, Holla back, boy. <laughs>